Welcome to On the Way with Tony Crisp. Each weekday, Dr. Crisp will be discussing biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Tune in daily to start your day right and deepen your understanding of how to better walk the way and enjoy the journey. Here's your host, Dr. Tony Crisp. Welcome to On the Way. This is Tony Crisp, and this is the 365 Bible Reading Plan. Today is June 25, and our chapter for today is Daniel chapter 2. In the second year of Nebuchadnezzar's reign, Nebuchadnezzar had dreams, and his spirit was so troubled that his sleep left him. He could not sleep at all. Then the king gave the command to call the magicians, astrologers, the sorcerers, and the Chaldeans to tell the king his dreams. So they came and stood before the king, and the king said to them, I've had a dream, and my spirit is anxious to know the dream. Then the Chaldeans spoke to the king in Aramaic, O king, live forever. Tell your servants the dream, and we will give the interpretation. Then the king answered and said to the Chaldeans, My decision is firm. If you do not make known the dream to me and its interpretation, you will be cut into pieces, and your houses shall be made an ash heap. However, if you tell the dream and its interpretation, you shall receive from me gifts, rewards, and great honor. Therefore, tell me the dream and its interpretation. They answered again and said, Let the king tell his servants the dream and we will give its interpretation. And the king answered and said, I know for certain that you would gain time because you see that my decision is firm. If you do not make known the dream to me, there is only one decree for you, for you have agreed to speak lying and corrupt words before me till the time has changed. Therefore, tell me the dream. And I shall know that you give me its interpretation. And the Chaldeans answered the king and said, There's not a man on earth who can tell the king's matter. (laughs) Did they ever speak the truth there? Therefore, no king, lord, or ruler has ever asked such a thing of any magician, astrologer, or Chaldean. It's a difficult thing that the king requests. And there is no other one who can tell it to the king, except the gods whose dwelling is not with flesh. And for this reason, the king was angry and very furious and gave the command to destroy all the wise men of Babylon. Now, he was a crazy man, and that'll be proven out as we go through these chapters. So the decree went out, and they began killing the wise men, and they sought Daniel and his companions to kill them. Now, here is the background. Daniel is in the palace. He is a eunuch. He is one of the wise men, quote, end quote. And he had been prepared for this. He had been castrated for this. He could go anywhere in the palace. No one had to worry about these people because they were not going to get into anything from the standpoint of a sexual escapade. They were not going to get into any danger in that regard. But the king knew that they had it made. And he asked them to do something that normally didn't do. Obviously, the custom of that day, and this bears itself out in the book of Daniel here, the custom of that day was for the king to tell a dream, and then they would get together and they would conjure up uh, an interpretation, and sometimes it would happen, sometimes it didn't, and So the king was used to all of this. It was just part of the uh, trappings of being a king in those days. 
But this time it was different. He was troubled and was troubled to the core. And he said, I want to know an answer and I want you to tell me what the dream is and then give its interpretation. Well, they said, we can't do that. Only the gods could do that. Well, the fact is only God could do it, not gods, plural. And so when they defied the king and they couldn't tell him and he knew they were stalling for time so they could work out something and he could get over this fit that he was in because he was a maniacal person no doubt had uh, troubles beyond anything anyone we read about in the scripture who is a king perhaps only Harry the Great was um, close to his regard as far as a crazy man Then he said, we're going to kill everybody. And so they started looking for Daniel, and the scripture says, then with counsel and wisdom, Daniel answered Arioch, the captain of the king's guard, who had gone out to kill the wise men in Babylon. He answered and said to Arioch, the king's captain, why is this decree from the king so urgent? Then Arioch made the decision known to Daniel, because he loved Daniel. He had favor with him. Remember chapter 1? So Daniel was in with him, and he didn't want to kill Daniel, and so more than likely he told Daniel where to go so nobody could find him. And so Daniel said, what's going on here? And so he told him, so Daniel went in and asked the king to give him time that he might tell the interpretation. Then Daniel went to his house and made this known to the boys. Now, my brothers and I, that's what we call one another, the boys, because we always consulted with one another on anything. Why? Because we had to do things together. We were left alone. There was nobody there for us. And so you form alliances and allegiances that you never dreamed of. That's why my brothers and I are so close to this day. So Daniel went in and asked the king to give him time that he might tell the interpretation. Daniel went to his house and made the decision known to Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Notice he didn't call them Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He knew them as the boys, his companions, that they might seek the mercies from the God of heaven concerning this secret, so that Daniel and his companions might not die, perish, with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. They were already killing them. And so Daniel asked for time. He got it. God granted it. Then the secret was revealed to Daniel in a night vision, so Daniel blessed the God of heaven. This is wonderful. Daniel didn't immediately start saying, oh, I've got it now. I've got the answer. He, Daniel was not a proud man. He was a humble man. He knew that God was in control of his life, even though he was in a foreign land. He'd been taken captive, taken away from his mother, his father. He had been castrated as a man, would never have children. But he didn't start blaming God. He didn't feel like he was entitled to anything. He he blessed God and said, I'm going to bloom where you plant me. You've brought me here. You're a sovereign God. I trust you completely. You see, this is why it's important that we read the Tanakh. This is why it's important that we read the Old Testament, because we see in the Old Testament the great sovereignty and providence of God. It's so important. We miss so much when we just read half the Bible or less than half of the Bible. And so Daniel said, blessed be the name of God forever and ever, for wisdom and might are his. Oh, how we need to understand what Daniel's praying. And look at this, verse 21, and he, who's he? God, the God of heaven, our father, he changes the times and the season and removes kings and raises up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. He reveals the deep and secret things. He knows what is in darkness and light dwells with him. You see, there is no darkness to God. God sees it all. He is light. 
inherently light. I thank you and praise you, O God of my fathers. He, he, he knows that he's where he is because of his ancestors. You have given me wisdom and might, and now you have made known unto me what we ask of you. God answered our prayer, and we're so grateful to you, for you have made known to us the king's demand. I want to go back up here just a moment to verse 21. He removes kings. He changes times and seasons. He removed kings and raised them up. I see followers of Jesus wringing their hands as though we are in the worst times that the world has ever seen. Oh, we've got a president who doesn't love Jesus. We've got people of the left who are coming against us. What on earth are we doing? Is not the God of the universe, the God who spoke and everything came into existence, is he not still in control? The light affliction that we're up against right now is nothing compared to the Greco-Roman world into which Jesus came. It is nothing to what Isaiah had to deal with. He was sawn asunder. It is nothing to what the prophets had to come up against. It was no, It's nothing as to what the apostles. The apostles gave their very lives. They were crucified. They were boiled in oil. They were exiled. When was the last time that happened to you? Well, then stop complaining. Stop griping. Well, people don't like me. Well, they didn't like Jesus. They didn't like Paul. They didn't like Peter. Who are you and who am I to think that somehow they're going to despise our Lord, crucify our Lord, crucify and destroy everybody that came before us and we get a green light? God is the one who allowed Barack Obama to come into power. It is God who allowed Donald Trump to put his hand to the plow and not look back. It is God who allowed Joe Biden to be in as president. Now, whether we like that or don't like it, God could get them out of the way in just a moment. All we're going to do in the book of Daniel is see this over and over again. You say, but look at Nebuchadnezzar. He's so mean. Let me tell you, we're going to find out when God gets ready, he can put Nebuchadnezzar, the most powerful king that there was in the ancient world, he can put him out to pasture. And I'm not being metaphorical here. He literally put him out to pasture. He was eating grass like an oxen. All I'm telling you is we've got to get a grip because, you see, God is in control. And so this is what Daniel realized, and he trusted God explicitly. And so he went and said to Arioch, God's given me the answer. Tell the king he doesn't need to be killing all these wise men. Now, by the way, let me say parenthetically again, sorry for the digressions. I'm just, I have so much. I cannot tell you all of chapter two. I'm going to have to work it with Daniel chapter seven because they're two sides of the same coin. But I, I must get these things out because it is so important. You see, God is the one who raises up and God is the one who puts down. And you and I don't need to be so concerned about making sure that we're in control because we are not. God is. We need to trust God. And so Daniel was in total peace and release because he knew that if God didn't move, nothing was going to get done. You see, folks, it's not up to us. All we need to do is be faithful to do what God called us to do, and God will make sure 
that everything is where it needs to be. And so this is what happened. Daniel went, asked God, God, you've put me here, and you've given me this platform. You've given me this place of influence. Now, Lord, is this the time when you're going to allow me to make a difference in the place where you've called me to serve? And that's exactly where he was, in enemy territory, just like you and I are in enemy territory today. And God's called us to serve. And so when we're faithful and, and we are where we need to be, God will give us a time to shine. This is exactly what he did. He said, don't destroy all the men of Babylon. Now, these same men are going to come back and rattle and tattle on Daniel, and he's going to end up in a lion's den. The very same men that he's now saving their hide and saving their lives, they're going to turn on him. Again, let me say, by way of digression, that those that you do the most for and those that you love the most, those that, that you put your faith in, those that are closest to you are the ones that can hurt you the most. This is the way of all of life. It was one of Jesus' closest ally, one of the 12 that betrayed him. And they all fled, all of them. John was the only one that hung around. And so it says, then Ariok quickly brought Daniel before the king, I bet he did, and said thus to him, I have found a man of the captives of Judah who will make known to the king the interpretation. When Ariok went into the king and said, hey, I found a guy. He knew who Daniel was. He had protected him. He had taken care of him. But he didn't want the king to know that. And the king answered and said to Daniel, whose name was Belteshazzar, are you able to make known to me the dream which I have seen and its interpretation? And boy, I'll tell you, Daniel had the greatest opportunity in all of the world to say, well, of course I can. See, I'm somebody. I don't know if you know it or not, but I'm really somebody. But Daniel answered in the presence of the king and said, the secret which the king has demanded, the wise men, the astrologers and the magicians and the soothsayers, can they not declare it to the king? Daniel knew that they couldn't. He just wanted the king to know that. But here's what he said in verse 28. But there is a God in heaven who reveals secrets. And he has made known to King Nebuchadnezzar what will be in the latter days. Can you believe it? God showed all of the future to a man who was as far from God as anyone on the earth at the time. You mean God would do that? Yes, God would do it because he's God and he can do it. And he has a purpose in doing it because he wanted to show Nebuchadnezzar that it was a little boy from Judah, a, a young man that was going to show him the vision that would change the world. That's right, that would reveal what was going to happen from then 600 years before Jesus was born in Bethlehem till already 2,000 years, and it is still in the future. God showed it all to Nebuchadnezzar. It was just Daniel that could tell him what it was and what it meant, and that's what Daniel began to do. And I'm just going to get into it, and then we'll talk more about this when we get to chapter 7, and you're going to really enjoy this. He said, your dream and visions on your head upon your bed were these. As for you, O king, thoughts came to your mind while you were on your bed about what would come to pass after this. If that was in the Greek text, it would say metatauta, same phrase in Revelation chapter 4, the same phrase in Revelation 119 after this. 
He who reveals secrets has made known to you what will be. Now, he has made it known to Nebuchadnezzar, but he didn't know what it meant. Daniel did. God showed him. But as for me, this secret has not been revealed to me because I have more wisdom than anyone living. I'm amazed at his humility. Amazed at it. Because I know my own self, and I know the preachers that I know, and I know human nature. But as for me, the secret has not been revealed to me because I have more wisdom than anyone living. But for our sakes, who makes known the interpretation of the king and that you may know the thoughts of your heart. Boy, Daniel laid it out. You, O king, were watching and behold a great image. The, this great image whose splendor was excellent stood before you and its form was awesome. Yes, that's the word for awesome. <laughs> it's not used very much in the scriptures. This image had a head of fine gold, its chest, arms of silver, and its belly and thighs of bronze, its legs of iron, its feet partly of iron and partly of clay. And then you watched and you saw it cut down before you with a stone that was cut out without hands. Now, when we get to chapter 7, I'm going to talk to you about that because we're going to observe the beast of the visions of chapter 7. And uh, Nebuchadnezzar's dream and Daniel's vision, Daniel's dream, are one and the same. Nebuchadnezzar's dream was looking at the kingdoms of the world through the vision of man. How does man look at himself as a great colossus, as the center of everything, tall and brawny and filled with great value? Daniel chapter 7 is the vision that Daniel saw, the dream that Daniel had, but it was from God's perspective. And the kingdoms of the world are portrayed as wild beasts because that's what we are at heart. We are sinful to the core. And man is wicked. The heart is desperately wicked. Who can know it? From time to time, someone will say to me, well, if I know my heart, let me stop you. You don't. You don't know your heart. Only God knows it. Because you see, our hearts are wicked. Who can know it? The heart is deceitfully wicked. Who can know it? That's what the Bible says. And so, you see, we have to trust God at every level of our lives because even those of us who are saved and walking with God and seeking to obey God, we have to admit in our own heart, without the Spirit of God controlling us, without the Word of God guiding us, we are wicked to the core. Because as long as we're in this flesh, we are going to fight against anything that stands against God Himself. We're going to be there. Only God can help us. What Daniel was telling Nebuchadnezzar is what was going to happen in the future. The kingdom of Babylon, the kingdom that would overtake Babylon, the great Persian and Medio kingdom under Cyrus the Great. That would only last from 539 B.C. to 333 B.C. Then Alexander, the son of Philip the Macedon, would be raised up by God for specific purposes to do what only he could do. And when we get there, it's going to amaze you. And that only lasted down to 63 B.C. when the Romans came in. And the Roman Empire was never really conquered. It just kind of went away. But it's going to be revived one day. And we'll talk about that in the future as we walk on the way. This is Tony Crisp. Thanks for listening to On the Way with Tony Crisp. Tune in every weekday for information on biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Fridays are for your questions. Email your questions to questions at TonyCrisp.org. Then just listen for your question to be answered on Friday's podcast.
That's questions at TonyCRISP.org. Thanks for listening and have a blessed day on the way.